Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the Free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 29 called Woe O Aaron. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, Israel in context, when I take away their sins. So much for replacement theology where people teach that um, the church has replaced Israel and that God won't work again in national Israel. I just don't think that you can hold that up in Scripture. Um, God is going to work again in the nation of Israel, but uh, there is going to be and has been a long time of hardening. A spirit of stupor, go back to Isaiah, that is God given because God has confirmed their hardness. And the entire vision, Isaiah 29, 11, shall be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, please read this, Isaiah 29, 11, he will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, Isaiah 29, 12, saying, please read this, and he will say, I cannot read. God's saying, the message has been going out from Isaiah to both the priest, the educated person, and the illiterate, the common man, if you will, and both refuse to listen and heed the message. The educated, literate person says, it's got a seal on it, and I don't want to break it. Now, that could speak of authority to, to break it, but here, I don't think that's the issue. I think this is, I don't want to be bothered with it. You've got to break that seal to read that, and it's too much work. And the, the uneducated man says, okay, the message is there, and notice the emphasis, please read this, and he says, I can't, I can't read. It's a convenient excuse. It's a convenient way out. See, in both cases, these are illustrations of two people who say, I don't want to be bothered for different reasons. And a bunch of people are not hearing the message of God today because they don't want to be bothered. Wow. Do you realize that you hold in your hand tonight the book that says about itself, it is literally breathed out by God. It is the word of the living God. And it goes ignored by most of the population in America. We've, we've seen, now there's some good statistics about Bible reading in a lot of Protestant circles, but for the most part, the Bible is the most popular book that's ever been sold and yet the most unread book in households today. And it's the word of the creator of the human race and his plan of salvation. And people said, it's too hard to read. I don't want to break the seal. Or other people say, I, I can't read it. Now, if you're trying to read it in King James English, I can understand what you're saying. For those of you who have a King James Bible, which, by the way, is a good translation, you need to realize that it was written 400 years ago. It's English that's 400 years old. So when you read it and you, you, your sledding's a little difficult, that's why. There's a lot of good modern translations that I would encourage you to get one because the Bible will become more understandable to you. But the key is that you have the Holy Spirit. 
Then the Lord said, verse 13, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. If you have the NIV, it says, Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. The Lord says, verse 13, They draw near with their words. They give me lip service. But they remove, here's the key of the whole thing, their hearts, they remove their hearts far from me. They talk a good game. I love the Lord. Oh, sure, I'm a Christian. But God says when they worship me, when they do their feasts, when they gather together, it's all talk and no heart. We all, we all know how this applies. We can hear someone say to us all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you, but if their actions contradict those words, what do we really believe? That's why so much discussion goes on in the world about hypocrites because they hear Christians say one thing with their lips, but then they see another thing often with our actions. We're not going to be perfect. Hopefully we can be consistent. But the point is this. God says, you do that with me. You, you keep a good religious calendar, you do all this, but, but you honor me with your lips, but your heart is, has been removed far from me. And whenever someone says that their heart has been removed far, uh, their heart's not in it, they, it's not coming from the heart, we all know that those are bad things. Because in Hebrew thought, your heart is not your pumping organ, it's the center of who you are. It's the innermost part of your being. That's where God wants you to love him, by the way, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All those things are almost synonymous terms. They all speak of the center of who you are. God wants all of you. And if he doesn't have it, then he's not satisfied. But in this case, not only does he not have their hearts, their hearts have been totally removed. And right in your notes, Matthew 15, verses 1 through 10, especially verses 7 through 9, where Jesus quotes this verse, in the context of the Pharisees elevating the tradition of men above the word of God, and they, they say that they, they're honoring God with their money, and so they don't honor their father and mother. with. They say, Mom and Dad, I'd really like to take care of you. Here's the context of Matthew 15. But I've promised the money to God. Mom and Dad are getting older. You're supposed to honor your father and your mother in that culture, and in all cultures. But they say, no, Mom, uh, no, Dad, that money's Corbin. It's been promised to God, and therefore I can't help you. So they, they use kind of a loophole. They say, I promised that money to God, and they invalidate the word of God for the sake of their tradition. And Jesus says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And he's quoting Isaiah. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously, 14, with his people wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. Those who think that they're so wise are going to perish. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 17. By the way, if baptism is necessary for salvation, 
then why does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to what? Preach the gospel. So that tells me that the gospel is not baptism. But baptism is a picture of the gospel. Got it? So if you ever hear somebody tell you, you must be baptized to be saved, the greatest, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived said, God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So that tells me there's an important distinction. Not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the message or word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now you're going to have the quotation from Isaiah 29, 14. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the clever, cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached, that of the cross, to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block, to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That is the message of the gospel. And God says, I'm going to destroy everybody who thinks they're so clever. What's the cleverest thing that people come up with these days? What are alternate views of the universe to God? Uh, let's see. Well, you got a couple options. The universe, it's been proven by science, is not eternal. We know that. The second law of thermodynamics, it had a beginning. So we got two other options. Either the universe was created by an intelligent being, or it is what? An accident. So the alternate theory to the God of the Bible is that this planet and all its meticulous design is the consequence of random, purposeless, mindless chance and an explosion to boot created all of this order. That's their alternate view. Sound wise to you? What's the alternate view of coming to God through Jesus Christ's atonement on the cross. Uh, you're a God. You actually don't need Christ. You're really a God. You just don't know it yet. But if you could realize your divinity, then you'll grow. Or another alternate view is you're going to live millions and millions and millions of lives. And when you finally get it right, you might ascend into the great one and merge back into the nirvana, which is mindlessness pretty much. Sound good? Alternate views. What do they offer? What are the cleverest people in the universe? What are they talking about? Dow Jones industrials? Those are going well. Very predictable, very stable. What are people talking about? You know? What's the best we can do as man? We can get a rocket ship and go up to a planet. God's named all the stars. What can we do? See, God says it's foolish. To, to live without me. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans or counsel 15 from the Lord. This is back in Isaiah 29. Whose deeds are done in a dark place. They say, this is Isaiah 29, 15. Who sees us or who knows us? Now the plans here are probably the plans to make an alliance with Egypt rather than trusting God. They say, we're going to scurry around and see if we can get 
uh, protection and alliance from Egypt, and God doesn't know, God doesn't see. We're good. I'm sure he doesn't see what we're up to. 16, God says, you turn things around or you turn them upside down. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. You're invited to our next apologetics event called Dare to Defend. This is something that you're going to want to go to because it's going to bolster your faith and encourage you and give you reasons and answers for the hope that you have. Join some of today's top apologists who will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's culture. J.P. Moreland talking about miracles. Why do I have to have an answer to this question? I at least know there's a God. Sean McDowell dealing with deconstruction. When I was on the road, to met a man he goes i'm his last friend who didn't bail on him i thought man what does it matter with us john and claudia kalmakoff if they don't have that foundation and they don't know about god's promises and what we know is true not by what we're feeling but by facts historical archaeological facts what we know to be true then their feelings take over lenny esposito who will deal with the power of the archaeological record you know you're doing a construction project rome they were trying to build the subway and they had to keep stopping because they keep finding stuff hey if you're looking to get further equipped and we all should be this is the conference to go to dare to defend begins friday evening on march 25th at living truth christian fellowship in corona california get your tickets now and make sure you have plans to join us learn more about dare to defend and get your tickets when you visit walkintruth.com that's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH that's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. What's the best we can do as man? We can get a rocket ship and go up to a planet. God's named all the stars. What can we do? See, God says, it's foolish to to live without me. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans or counsel 15 from the Lord. This is back in Isaiah 29. Whose deeds are done in a dark place. They say, this is Isaiah 29, 15. Who sees us or who knows us? Now the plans here are probably the plans to make an alliance with Egypt. Rather than trusting God, they say, we're going to scurry around and see if we can get uh, protection and alliance from Egypt. And God doesn't know. God doesn't see. We're good. I'm sure he doesn't see what we're up to. 16, God says, you turn things around or you turn them upside down. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made should say to its maker, verse 16, he did not make me. Or what does form say to him who formed it? He has no understanding. Now get the image. It's the potter and the clay. So the potter, he gets the stuff together and he gets the wheel going and he starts to fashion the 
the, the clay into a pot. And he's making this beautiful thing. You're going to see it next Wednesday, right? He uses his little, his little pedal and he gets it going just perfect. I don't know how he keeps his hands so soft to, to do all these different things. And he just the perfect amount of water. And he gets this clay vessel and he sets it there and, and, he's, and he's worked on it, right? And imagine now the clay pot is personified. It takes on personality and it says, Hey, you didn't make me, big boy. I made my... I, I exploded. Sound ridiculous to you? If you made a piece of pottery and it got an attitude with you, what would you do? Hold on. I'm going to go get a tool out of the shed. (laughs) Or what if the piece of pottery turned around right after you had finished it and you, you shaped all its parts and everything and it says, you don't understand. What would you think? Who does this piece of clay think they are? Talking to me like that. You didn't make me. I know it. I read a book over here and it says pots are made this way. Not with a potter. We don't need no potter around here. We just form parts of the pot, just mold together. That's what I was taught in pottery school. Would you be sitting there looking at the pot going, what? See, that's what's happening. And they say, oh, he doesn't really, God's not that great. Isn't there a book by an atheist just came out? God's not great. Isn't that the title? He's not great. Maybe he knows some stuff. You don't always notice with atheists, there's always a hidden thing like they know God's there, but they kind of say things, you know. They're always attacking this God that's not there. It's kind of interesting. They reject his sovereignty and his wisdom. Write down in your notes Romans 9, 19 through 21, where Paul uses this uh, idea of the potter and the clay to say God is sovereign and he's wise, and you just need to trust him. By the way, what is he making you into? I, I prayed this at the beginning. What is God's goal for the pottery? He is conforming you into the image, if you're a Christian, of who? Jesus Christ. You don't have to guess at what God's trying to do. Because people have often said, can I trust God with my life? If I'm on that potter's wheel and he's squirting the water and he's shaping me with those hands, how can I really know that I'm going to end up being something useful and beautiful? How do I know I won't be an ashtray or a garbage can? Because the one who is shaping you has stated that his goal is to conform you into the image of his son. Can you think of anything better than that? And then take a look at the hands that are shaping you, and you're going to see nail prints in them. And you're going to say to yourself, and John Corson, I'll give him credit for this, made this point. He said, if you can look at these hands and see that the ones shaping you have nail prints in both of them, then you'll realize if he loves you that much to die for you, then you can trust him when you're on his wheel. Amen? It's ridiculous. The, it, the illustration is supposed to make you say, that's crazy. It is not yet just a little while before Lebanon, if, uh, if you want to see things turn around, here's God says, I'll turn things around. In a little while, it's coming. I'm going to do it. Before Lebanon will be turned in a little while into a fertile field. What's Lebanon? Well, it's known. Um, it's a symbol of the, the earth's nobility and might. Uh, known for its forests, and it will be turned into a fertile field. 
and the fertile field will be considered as a forest. This is divine turnarounds. God will turn things around. The mighty will be weak. The weak will be mighty. God will cause that. And on that day, when the book is unsealed to the deaf ears and the blind and the stupors that have come over them, they shall hear words of a book. And out of their gloom, here you see uh, Israel awakening now to the truth. Out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. This is spiritual blindness leaving Israel. And also Jesus used this as a sign of him being the Messiah. The afflicted or humble also shall increase their gladness in the Lord. We're going to end on some hope here. And the needy or poor of mankind shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. It's like the cycle that they've gone through has all been for eye-opening reasons. For the ruthless will come to an end. God will deal with evil in the end. When He remakes everything His way in His time, He'll make a new Jerusalem, a new holy city. Nothing wicked will ever come into it. Uh, The ruthless will come to an end. The scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be cut off, praise God. The city will be one of peace. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word. Here speaks of people's uh, manipulating the law and so forth. And ensnare him who adjudicates, adjudicates at the gate. And defraud the one in the right with meaningless arguments. I mean, how many times have we heard in a court of law where someone has done nothing wrong or they can barely defend themselves and these sharks go after them and they manipulate the system? That's all going to stop, God says. It's going to be over. Therefore, thus says the Lord 22, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob or Israel shall shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now turn pale, now looking to the future. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. Indeed, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who err in mind will know the truth. And those who criticize will accept instruction. Let's pray. You've been listening to Woe, O Ariel, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 29. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you visit walkintruth.com to learn about our apologetics event called Dare to Defend. You can learn about the various guest speakers who will be attending and about how they can address various topics the culture is facing. We'd love to see you there. Visit walkintruth.com to learn about Dare to Defend. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, there's a happy ending to Isaiah chapter 29. Kind of an eye-opening experience for the people of God. Almost like the prodigal coming to his senses and understanding who the Lord is, knowing him and his ways. And that's what we want to do is we want to know the Lord. We want to know his ways. And of course, we want to teach them to others. We want to disciple, teach them to our children and grandchildren. And uh, also, of course, teach them to the people of God and the church of God. Now, speaking of teaching, we are hosting an incredible event. This is something that you don't want to miss. It's called Dare to Defend. And you can go to daretodefend.com to learn more. Let me tell you about the topics that are going to be covered on this weekend. Just doing a quick summary. The problem of evil is going to be dealt with on Friday night. 
the idea of deconstructing one's faith and the danger of deconstructing. That's what a lot of uh, people are doing who grew up in the church, uh, big music names that are walking away from their faith, ex-evangelicals, as we mentioned on a previous broadcast. We're going to talk about the value of the Christian faith, talk about how archaeology proves the Bible, talk about miracles and the evidence for miracles from the God of the Bible, and so much more breakout sessions, which will deal with uh, a topic like critical race theory. Um, This is a weekend with top-notch apologists. I don't know how to convey it to you other than to say these are some of the top apologists in the whole nation. And they're going to be here. Friday night, March 25th, Saturday, for the bulk of the day, March 26th, Sean McDowell, J.P. Moreland, uh, just to name a few. And this is a conference that you can bring a group to and get a discount, daretodefend.com, and uh, it is well worth your time and your money. You'll get a lunch, um, but it, but the content is second to none. And uh, I would encourage you to sign up today, daretodefend.com, to get your tickets if you live anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire and you want to know what you believe, why you believe it, be strengthened in your faith. You can link to the Dare to Defend site when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Get your tickets today. God bless you. And we will see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it will hopefully help us become 100% listener-supported. Would you please help us pay for the airtime on the radio station you're listening to? A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 30 called rebellious children. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.